Hey, Disney fans, looking for the latest Disney news? And interviews with some of Disney's biggest stars. Well, have we got the podcast for you. Welcome to D23 Inside Disney. I'm Sherry from Oh My Disney. And I'm Jeffrey from D23, the official Disney fan club. And today we're taking you Inside Disney. Hello, Sherry. Hello, Jeffrey. How are you? Great to see you. You oh, too. I'm just, I'm just magical. Are you? How about yourself? What makes you so magical, Sherry? Well, I've basically been living at Disneyland for the past week. I mentioned Minnie's Moonlit Madness last week, which, by the way, we got our results. We got not first, not second, not third, but 24th place. Wow. That is almost like first place. (laughs) Thank you. It's first in my heart. I don't know what medal that gets, but I'm sure it's going to be beautiful. (laughs) Love it. So we did that. And then on Friday, I went to Disneyland for funsies with some of my work friends and hit up all the hits, including Casey Jr. Circus Train, which, yeah, underrated. Oh, I mean, (laughs) okay. I love that for you. I love (laughs) that. It's wonderful. It is like very hard for me to fit in most of the various vehicles in that I'm I'm a little too (laughs) adult sized. I think that's what makes it so fun. And then today, this morning, I was at Disneyland again for a shoot for Disney TikTok. So that will be coming soon. Once it's out, I'll let you know. But it was super exciting. I'm very sleepy. (laughs) I look forward to seeing these tickety talks. I'm very excited. Yes, yes, yes. How about you, Jeffrey? What have you been up to? Well, I spent almost all of last week in the fabulous city of Philadelphia for the opening of Disney 100, the exhibition, with our great friends from the Walt Disney Archives, Becky Klein, Joanna Pratt, Amaris, Matthew, Kelsey, and of course, our great friends from D23, because they were there. There was a big, fabulous D23 member event, Michael Vargo. Justin, Adam, Paula. It was terrific. I will tell you the exhibition goes beyond what I could have even imagined it was going to be. I was so impressed. The details, the birds in Mary Poppins snow globe flying around. It just was next level incredible. I am so proud of the entire Walt Disney Archives team the group at Semmel that helped put it together. It's just amazing. What else was really fun is to get to see the Disney magic stage where Walt Disney essentially comes to life in front of guests. It's amazing. It looks the quality of how it is done, thanks to our partners at the studios and the archives and Industrial Light and Magic, who all joined forces. It is like he's there. The quality is amazing. And they used actual footage, actual audio. So it's that was amazing to see. And what a great way to open the exhibit. And you know what? I I could keep going on, but our guest coming up today, a frequent pod guest and one of our favorites, the fabulous Bob Gurr is coming up and he was there. So we're going to have him chat a little bit about his experience. So really, really exciting. Yeah. And then I went to New York for the weekend to enjoy the holiday weekend. I made it out with my friend Nicole to see Hercules at the Paper Mill Playhouse with our pal James Monroe Eigelhart, who is ah, terrific. He is cool. so great. Uh, love him. And he gives a fantastic performance as Phil. So congratulations to everyone there. And that was very early in preview. So I'm excited for where that show will go. Wow. And I thought Casey Jr. Circus Train was really exciting, but you had quite the week. <laughs> I mean, a little bit, a little bit. 
We got a lot of news to get to, Sherry. I mean, there's some big, big news. Big news. Big news. Navi Nation. This one is for you. Or should I say Navi World Universe? Best Picture nominee Avatar The Way of Water is now the third highest grossing film of all time worldwide. What? So cool. Uh, So cool. The film has earned... $2,243.2 million global to date, which passes Titanic. And at the domestic box office, it just jumped to number nine in the highest grossing films of all time. What? I know. Amazing. It's no 24th place. but, But, you know, that'll do. I love it. This means that James Cameron has three of the top four highest grossing movies ever. So we've got Avatar at number one. Avatar The Way of Water at number three, and Titanic at number four. Wow. Wow. The Way of Water is the highest grossing film of all time in over 20 countries. What? And you can see a new video chronicling this global phenomenon adventure of Avatar The Way of Water on Avatar's YouTube. Very cool. And like you said, it's nominated for an Oscar. And speaking of the Oscars, Jimmy Kimmel on his YouTube page, speaking of YouTube, posted a hilarious Oscar trailer promo with John Hamm, Charles Parnell, and a special cameo from none other than nine-time Oscar host Billy Crystal. It is hilarious. So head over to Jimmy Kimmel's page to check that out. But uh, back to big box office news. Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania opened at number one for President's Day weekend and opened number one worldwide. It posted a franchise best of 120.1, let's not forget that point one million dollars, an additional 129.6 million internationally. The film's global opening totals 249.7 million. Congratulations to our friends at Marvel Studios, Walt Disney Studios, Unbelievable. Just incredible. Mm-hmm. Oh, and speaking of Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, there's a whole bunch of fun new Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania-related experiences at our Disney parks and on Disney Cruise Line. Kang the Conquerors at Avengers Campus. He's going to be there for a limited time. Many, many more Ant-Man and the Wasp moments and experiences to be had. You can check it out over with our friends at the Disney Parks blog. Ooh, well, in more Disney Parks news... Disneyland After Dark has two more themed nights planned for this spring. Woohoo! So the events start with a three-hour pre-party mix-in. We love a pre-party. That starts at 6 p.m. at Disneyland Park. And the private party is from 9 p.m. to 1 a.m. Mm-hmm. So during this, you may ride some popular attractions after park hours and so much more. So here are the events. Number one, Disneyland After Dark Throwback Night. Yay! That is April 18th and 20th, and it's inspired by the debonair days of the 50s and the 60s. The 50s, like how cool, the first decade of Disneyland Park, the 50s and 60s. And you can see Mickey and his friends sporting retro outfits, along with visits from some of your favorite nostalgic characters. And this is really cool, Fantasy in the Sky. That is a nighttime spectacular that gives a nod to the same named fireworks that first illuminated the night at Disneyland Park in 1957. How cool is that? Mm. Mm -hmm. And Disneyland After Dark, Star Wars Night. That will be happening May 2nd and, of course, May the 4th, Star Wars Day, May 8th and May 11th. That is the most days of this event ever and you can check out star wars celebrate the night which is a pyrotechnic spectacle set to the music of the films and yes there will be themed snacks and yes that includes the galactic churro 
For more info and for tickets, go to Disneyland.com. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Okay, as Baymax might say, ba-la-la-la-la, lots of more Disneyland excitement headed your way because San Francisco Square is coming to Disney California Adventure this summer. Woo! Oh, I'm so excited for this. Oh, oh my gosh, me too. So this is first announced at D23 Expo last fall. Pacific Wharf is turning into San Francisco. So you will be transported to the not-too-distant future in this mashup of San Francisco and Tokyo, where entrepreneurs have come together to reinvent the seaside canneries, which have fallen on hard times, into a vibrant multicultural district of neighborhood restaurants, small businesses, and more. You will get to see San Francisco Gate Bridge, which is going to span the tide pools, and there will be opportunities to encounter Baymax, And yes, you can still get a freshly baked bread bowl, as well as enjoy some new Asian-inspired selections, the new Port of San Francisco Cerveceria. Now that sounds like my jam. It's tricultural, so we've got signage in English, Japanese, and Spanish, and outside there will be a beer garden for all the grown-ups. So check out Disney Parks blog now for some renderings of the upcoming changes. All right. I've got more. I've got more. I know. Sherry, you're on a roll. (laughs) I'm on a roll. I'm not jumping in yet. (laughs) Well, from San Francisco to Under the Sea, there is a new trailer for The Little Mermaid. And boy, oh boy, am I so excited for this movie. We've got, of course, the magnificent Halle Bailey as Ariel. And we get first looks at Jonah Howard King as Prince Eric and Melissa McCarthy as Ursula. You guys... Check it out. I can't wait for this to hit theaters May 26th. If you missed the trailer, see it now. Watch it over and over again like I did at the Walt Disney Studios YouTube. And from the coral to the courts, Uh, Disney Plus. Look what you did there. (laughs) Go from Little Mermaid to Chang Ken Dunk. And that is how Disney Plus just released a trailer for Chang Ken Dunk, which premieres exclusively on Disney Plus on March 10th. You can see the trailer at the Walt Disney Studios YouTube. This movie looks awesome. So it follows Chang, a 16 year old Asian American high school student who's in marching band, and he bets the school basketball star that he can dunk by homecoming. He's 5'8. So, you know, quite a bet, but he's on a quest to find the hops that he needs to dunk in order to impress his crush, Christy, and finally gain the attention and respect of his peers. Chang, I believe in you. The trailer was great. Mm -hmm. So good. And speaking of trailers, Disney Plus just revealed a new trailer and the premiere date for Doogie Kamealoha MD Season 2, starring friend of the pod, Peyton Elizabeth Lee. She's just so charming. Yes. She's so charming. (sighs) So the show is coming back Friday, March 31st on Disney Plus. The trailer is adorable. She's got to choose between the cute surfer boy and the new love interest who seems to wind up in the hospital based on the trailer played by none other than milo Mannheim, who i feel like they like are doing a whole bunch of stuff together i think they're in prom pack together incredible so tune in watch our pal enjoy another pal of the pod i love this i love when we like keep doing (laughs) what we've done this show so long that almost everyone we talk about has been on the show including the fabulous Robin Roberts, who is coming back for season two of Turning the Tables with Robin Roberts. The trailer for that show just dropped. Some of the guests, like, first of all, like, you can already tell that she gets such great interviews out of these incredible humans. 
Brooke Shields, Chloe Kim, Chrissy Metz, Dion Warwick, Kelly Osborne, Kyla Pratt, Marseille Martin, Rita Wilson, Shirley Ralph, and more. Like, I started, like, getting teary watching the preview. Mm-hmm. So you can check it out at the Disney Plus YouTube page. Cannot wait to see what Robin reveals. Yes, same. Well, big news for Live with Kelly and Ryan fans. Ryan Seacrest, he's leaving his longtime post on the show. And Mark Consuelos, a.k.a. Kelly Ripa's husband and longtime live fill-in, is going to replace him when the show rebrands as Live with Kelly and Mark. How cute is that? Uh, Mm -hmm. Adorable. Adorable. (laughs) But don't worry, you can still get your Ryan Seacrest fix on ABC's American Idol and the annual New Year's Eve telecast. Well, you know where you're not going to be able to find Ryan this week? (laughs) Where? You will not find him in five fantastic things to watch this weekend. Presented by State Farm. For complete details and listings, visit d23.com. And remember, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Sherry, what's up first? Up first is... This movie holds such a special place in my heart. Toy Story, the first Pixar feature film ever. Yay! Watch it again, or if you haven't seen it somehow, watch it for the first time on Saturday at 10 a.m. on Disney Channel. Well, on Saturday as well on FX, which is like Disney Channel, but totally different, (laughs) at 7 p.m., why not watch Ant-Man and the Wasp? Maybe you just saw Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Want to remember how Ant-Man and the Wasp got to where they are today? I'm, you know, throwing out some ideas here. You get to see Michael Douglas, Michelle. You get to see a whole lot. So FX, Saturday. Mm. Speaking of FX, but totally different. Freeform. Uh, Yes, it's just like FX, but totally different. Right? Yes. Watch 2020's Mulan on Freeform on Sunday at 3.35 p.m. It's been a while since I've seen this one. Yeah, same, same. You want to know what's just like Freeform, only different? Ooh, what? Disney Channel. I mean, you kind of started it all with Disney Channel, but we're going back (laughs) to Disney Channel on Sunday the 26th at 5 p.m. to watch Secret Society of Second Born Royals with our pal Peyton Elizabeth Lee. And you know what? Let's bring it back to Freeform. Cap the weekend off. Which is just like Disney Channel, exactly. only different. and FX, but a little also different. Exactly. <laughs> Maleficent. Watch it on Sunday ah. at 6.15 on Freeform. Starring friend of the pod, Angelina Jolie. Hello. Oh, that's true. <laughs> so many friends of the pod. Mm-hmm. On to our guest, who is one of our favorites here at the podcast. He's developed more than 100 designs for attractions, ranging for Autopia and Matterhorn bobsleds to the Disneyland and Walt Disney World monorails and more. And speaking of the Matterhorn, last week he was at the world premiere of Disney 100 The Exhibition at the Franklin Institute in Philadelphia, where one of those early attraction vehicles is now on display. He's worked on so many things for Disney, we would take the entire interview time just listing them. So we're going to dive right in. Please welcome back to the show, our great friend, Bob Gurr. Hey! Uh, Bob, we're so happy to have you back. I loved seeing the photos of you at the exhibition last week. Tell us what you thought. Well, basically, uh, Philadelphia, Ben Franklin... The Independence Hall, all the different artifacts uh, and historic, so much in Philadelphia, and then the Franklin Institute, and then the thought that I had when I went in the building, 
I looked at Ben Franklin, I says, you know, I knew a guy just like that. His name was Walt Disney. Uh-huh. He was interested in everything. He was a quick read at everything, just like Ben Franklin. I thought, wow, we're going to put a show about Walt and the company and the history right up to the current days in a place where Ben Franklin used to hang out in that part of town, and Walt is there with him now. And what did you think going through the exhibit? I didn't know quite what to expect because, you know, there's been a lot of expositions over the time. And, of course, you know, archives have done a lot of different shows. But the minute you walk into the very first row, the first sense you have is it's a subdued environment. In other words, when you light stuff, when you have the walls that aren't really walls, they're just sort of color. Some of them, as you walk through them a little bit more, might be a piece of jungle. It might be some distant desert scene. But the walls do not look like walls of a museum. That's the first thing I really noticed. Yeah. Once you get used to that in a few seconds, you'll notice there's archives that are either dimensional or they are flat and they are large or small. And some of the small ones are down at a level where some kids can see them up close. What I really started to notice was, you know, of course, you have a costume figure that's really big and brightly lit. But right away, you take a look at small pictures on the walls. You can walk right up. And I found two of them right away that was actual original. Now, the reason you can tell an original pencil drawing is when you use a vellum type of paper and you got a black pencil, even though it might be an HB soft one, you're going to scrub that and get some black you really want. But when you do it, you're distorting the paper. So if you put your head down really, really low and look up, at the picture, then you get the light overhead that kind of lights the picture, and you'll see the wrinkles. Oh, mm. that's what I looked for in a museum, and by golly, there was two of those right off. That's amazing. And I look at myself, and I see a lot of wrinkles, so <laughs> there we go. <laughs> right. Now, of course, we know how deeply you were involved in the creation of the Matterhorn and the monorail. Were there other items in the exhibition that you saw that you had a hand in? I wasn't looking for anything that I had a hand at. I was looking for maybe spending an hour or two in a first-pass walkthrough of basically 100 years, of which, remember, I've lived 91 years, so I know what 100 years must feel like. (laughs) I was looking for a broad-brush look at Disney that would be different than the Disney museums I've seen before. This one was all-encompassing from extremely early, you know, Mickey Mouse sketches, all the way up to all the current uh, Pixar, Star Wars. So it's a thorough picture of Disney over time within that 100 years. So this is very different. Yeah. You mentioned going through a couple. How much time do you think you spent there while you were in Philly? For the guests to understand what we were doing, it was two days in which the first day was essentially an all-day with schedules not completely throughout the day to answer questions for media. We had some people from Germany. We had quite a few local people, local stations. So in between standing around waiting for an interviewer, I was sneaking a look at so many of the pictures (laughs) out of sequence. In other words, I should have seen the show first, of course. But that was not possible on Wednesday. Then, of course, the next evening, where we had the really, really big party, that was the first time I got loose uh, and uh, went through the actual front door of the exhibit. 
and went all the way through to the gift shop. So that way I could then see it in the context that it should have been had I seen it before. But in seeing it in bits and pieces, I got a chance to take a lot longer look than I would have with a big crowd of people. Mm. Amazing. Well, Jeffrey was talking all about the Disney magic stage where studios, archives, and industrial light and magic teamed up to bring Walt to life in the first room of the exhibition. What was it like for you watching that? I was sort of in the back row of a very large group of people, so I was kind of maneuvering around to see uh, quite what it was. You know, I saw Mickey Mouse, and then when I moved my head, I saw that there was a scrim in front of a background, so, oh, this is 3D. And then, of course, there's pixie dust with a big blast of sparkles, and then all of a sudden, oh, it's Walt. Oh, he's in color. I used to remember him seeing it in black and white all the time. So my first impression was, oh, how did they do that? Well, obviously, you just explained how they did that. But it was kind of puzzling. I heard some interesting comments because I think something like that would take on people aback that don't know that you could do this technological day. And then other people that might be as old as I am said, no, I always saw him in black and white. <laughs> Either way, the crowd kept moving to the right and away we went past it. Very cool. Now, walking through... Looking at all the different items and pieces of Disney from 100 years, 91 of which you have been around, did it bring up any memories you have of Walt or your time working at Disney? Well, interestingly, when I walked into the room that the Matterhorn car was there. By the way, that is not the first Matterhorn car. That was the 1977 car design when we converted the Matterhorn from a single car to a two-car train. So that vehicle was one of my favorites because it was a chance to do uh, as ergonomically best kind of design that you could do. Remember, I didn't do that on a drafting board or a computer. I did that by sitting in the shape of a car, basically, and figuring out where all your different body parts are supposed to go, where the arms, the hands, the feet are going to go. And that was built up in space, literally, with a bunch of cardboard shapes and bent wire. No computer design, no pencil design. I just let the shape of what that body had to do. So to see it again in a spot where the seats are tipped up and you can look at it, I thought, wow, that was, in my opinion, that was a good, comfortable car. But what also took my eye, what just passed that, was a Peter Pan car. So the reason for that, why it kind of took my eye was, when I was asked to go to the Disney studio and meet a Mr. Irvine, who was in charge of all the design, we went out to the back lot to look at this little chassis of an Utopia car, and then they said something like, say, we have a ride in a shed here. Uh, would you like to ride it? And it was a Peter Pan car, uh, a kind of a very uh, rough semi-mock-up of the car, and it was a track that you could take one trip all the way around it. So I got a chance to ride the Peter Pan ride. And I never got over that to see and touch and ride a thing that was going to be in Disneyland mm -hmm. for the first time. But this car, of course, was a production on Beautifully Restored. It's a very pretty thing. A lot of people like to look at that. Wow. And I think that's something that guests get to really appreciate is normally you see things very briefly or from a distance. And here you were talking about like kids even can get really close up. I did notice that how many kids were in that first audience, I would say between the five and eight-year-old, where they just ran like mad in all directions to whatever thing that took their interest. And I did notice that throughout, when we have something that has to do with actors, actress, 
artistic costumes, particularly scenes and settings, they would run right up and look at the details because they could just, like I said before, put your nose right into the, the picture. So it was interesting to see what adults would look at and what the kids would look at. And the particularly colorful clothing actors and interesting figures, big or small, that's where the kids went. Wow. Well, something both kids and adults love is meeting Mickey and Minnie Mouse. I loved the photos of you with Mickey and Minnie. I still love seeing them in the parks. After all these years, do you still enjoy running into the characters? Oh, you have no idea what Mickey and Minnie did to me for two days. Uh, it was absolutely <laughs> incredible because normally you see Mickey and Minnie in sort of a VIP, a host uh, situation where an important person comes along and Mickey and Minnie, run, you know, greet them. But they don't greet me. They run up and grab me and, and crush me in a gigantic hug. Uh, it's incredible. And both of them, they do it at the same time. In fact, on the first day, I walked around a corner to be on camera for one of the TV stations. These two mice jumped up, hands out, rushed me, and both of them grabbed me, and people were taking pictures. They were laughing their heads off. <laughs> I don't think people have any idea how Mickey and Minnie treat me. Everybody else gets the treatment, but boy, oh boy. Bob, I saw firsthand. They knew Disney royalty. Well, <laughs> Minnie is so cute and so sweet. You know, I just, I give her a hug uh, even more. Sometimes she gives me a hug. I just like him so much. Same. Jeffrey, we need to ask Mickey and Minnie what it's like for them to meet Bob. <laughs> I'm sure Mickey would say, oh boy. <laughs> all right, Bob, knowing your incredible career and all of the amazing things that you had a hand in, if you could dream up any kind of attraction vehicle or experience and money and time and physics were not factors, what would it be? Oh, you just gave me the funny question. <laughs> Stop and think. I'm not the guy who comes up with an original concept, story, or design. I'm the guy that stands there waiting for an entrepreneur like Walton to walk up and say, See, Bobby, we're thinking of doing. And they'll say what it is. And I said, Oh, I'd be so cool if we could do something like that. Well, then I want you to get started. So, I did 100 jobs for Disney and 150 for everybody else, and it was always the same. I never had an original idea in my life for a tractor or a vehicle or anything. But I was ready to put my hand up first to say, your idea is cool. I'd love to do it. Thank you for asking. Oh, love that teamwork. I mean, I feel like so many of the things that you worked on had never been done. I mean, like the first tubular steel roller coaster and things like that. There's so many firsts and unique things that you were a part of. That was the part I enjoyed because there's no point doing something somebody else already did because now you'd be in a comparison thing. Although I have done things that were done originally and other companies did a follow-on. I won't name who they are. Their <laughs> stuff was never as good as my first one, so... First ones are always important, and I got only first ones all my life. Amazing. And one thing I love about you, of many, is that you will go on any attraction pretty much, pretty much. And you recently went on Guardians of the Galaxy Cosmic Rewind. I got to hear your story about that, but I need you to share it because it was so great. <laughs> okay, the Guardians of the uh, Galaxy, um, 
I didn't know much about the vehicle. I'd never seen the track. I never, and I didn't even know the backstory. That's how uh, backwards I am, basically, about that attraction. And somebody had said to me, oh, it's sort of like a roller coaster, but not really. So I just sat in the front row of the car, and then I asked somebody, I said, do you think my hat will blow off? And they said, oh, yeah. <laughs> so I put my hat uh, in my hands, held on to it. On one hand, it's probably the most the most perfect combination of motions and what you see that I have ever, ever experienced. That's a completely balanced experience. But more than that, it did something that one guy told me. He says, you know, you did the Omnimover. We're doing the Omni Coaster because it's a simple thing. If you have a chassis on a track, the chassis is going to follow the track exactly. So what if you put a body full of people on top of that chassis and then control it. You can control that so perfectly vis-a-vis what the track is doing, what the scenery is doing, and it will come close to total discombobulation of anybody's inner ear. It's that close. It didn't bother me very much. I was enjoying trying to see what it's doing, but trying to figure out what it was doing and how it was doing by looking mostly at the track in front of the car. And, of course, through a mutual friend, I did find out uh, what it looked like, how it's put together. It is one of the most incredible pieces of structure, wheel design, method of control. I have ever seen it as a super bulletproof machine on a track. And the fact that that track got built so absolutely glass smooth, even though it's throwing you around with all these forces, none of which are sharp and abrupt. They are just big sweeping motions. Hmm. That ride really has got my attention. It's so good that I will never ride it again. (laughs) (laughs) You can't beat that first time. Yeah, (laughs) True. There you go. I have a newfound appreciation for that attraction now. All right. Can you walk us through your perfect day at Disneyland from attractions to shows to food to everything in between? Well, I'm going to pick 19, uh, no, 2015. What was that, 60th year? And everything was really good shape. Everybody was in a good mood. And I just, personally, I had a terrific, terrific day. Even though I was, uh, you know, a VIP standing up in front of the castle, getting a picture with everybody else. But the fact that I could walk around that park and I could remember the parade so clearly and see everything that is new and new and old together, but... I had this feeling of, golly, this has been a long time, but it's such a short time all at once. And you just sort of smile all around, and you don't even have to ride the attractions. Just the fact that you're there, it just kind of sweeps over me. And those are the kind of memories I cherish so completely. Hmm. Matched up completely with the opening day, and particularly driving Autopia car in a parade on opening day. Ah, that's a good one. Now when you go, are there a few attractions that you love to still go on after all these years or new ones that have recently joined? Well, you know, the funny thing, I have to answer these questions all the time. People ask me, what do you think of this? (laughs) In a way, I've ridden everything so much that I don't have to ride anymore. And that's just the fact of being there, knowing the attractions are running, seeing them running, watch the expressions on little kids face when they come off and then they want to, can we go to the end of the line and do it again? You know, this sort of thing. Mm. One attraction that did stick out that's not 
quite me, was over in DCA, that crazy shooting gallery thing. Oh. That's not my kind of thing, but one day I was down there, I rewrote it continuously for two hours. <laughs> Toy Story Mania attraction? Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. So that that was, was a fun one. That was a surprise to me. Yeah. yeah. Did you end up getting better and better scores each time? I got better and better, but I was so far below even the most ordinary people. Or I just, <laughs> I told you, I'm not good at that stuff, but I liked it. That's amazing. Yeah. I love that. Do you have a go-to food? Anytime you go to Disneyland, you have to get this snack or you have to get this meal? Well, you know, a funny thing. People that know me know that I'm not a junk food person, but at the same time, it's nice to go in the bakery shops and look at all the confections that are so beautiful and they're designed so nice you can't resist buying them. But I have total resistance to churros and pastry. I'm the one that's always looking for vegetables, you know, vegetables and fruit. So I'm not a good uh, critic of Disney food. It's beautiful, but there's other things I kind of like better. Hmm. I wish I had a hankering for fruits and veggies instead of churros when I went to Disneyland. Right. Fair. (laughs) Well, we've asked this question of you a couple of times, but we're going to ask it again. Uh And the good thing is that you have so many Disney memories. The odds are you'll come up with something totally different. But what, looking back, is one of your favorite Disney memories? It has to be any time where Walt was showing people something he had that nobody else had. There was a lot of those, but I think the 1959 Mark 1 monorail, when Walt was getting ready to show it to his friend Dick Nixon, who at the time is uh, you know, a good close friend of his, but he was the vice president of the United States, the fact that he would look at Nixon, and you knew him very, very well, and the family was there, and, and I'm watching this, and he's pointing out about this monorail that's going to be a, a sample of advanced transportation. When Walt is in that mood, he has a smile on his face, he has a twinkle in the eye, and both eyebrows are all the way up, and it's only there for a couple of seconds, and I was about five feet away when he was telling Dick Nixon that, and that one really is it's still vivid. Because it's so Walt, and it's so creative, and it's so, look at me, look what I got. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that is an amazing memory. I feel like we were there. Bob, thank you so much for joining us again. We can't All wait right. to have you back on the podcast again, again, again. You are amazing congrats on all that you've done and i will try and have a veggie next time i go to disneyland <laughs> and i'm still doing i'm, I'm still yes stuff for exactly you. more to come yeah okay well uh call me back again we'll have some more fun sounds great ah bob bob what a guy what a guy how many times can we have him on this show i mean every week Maybe every week. I would be perfectly (laughs) fine with that. Me too. (laughs) I would be fine with that. Well, thanks again for listening to D23 Inside Disney. Don't forget to like and share this episode wherever you listen or subscribe. And if you want to chat with us, hashtag D23 Inside Disney. And for all the latest Disney info, check out D23.com. We'll be back next week with more Disney news and a fantastic guest on an all new episode of D23 Inside Inside Disney. Disney.